Welcome to Unconfuse Me. I'm Bill Gates. You have a gigantic record collection. Yeah, I do. In terms of volume, I have about 200,000 records. Amazing. But I don't want people to think that, like, I just went out and individually, like, got 200,000 records. I'll say that in the last six years, what's happened is, okay, so the, the way that uh, the record industry was, say, in the 50s, 60s, uh, in the 70s, there would be something called one-stop shops. And one-stop shops are the people that order in bulk every type of record. And then they'll service those records to restaurants that have jukeboxes, bars, diners that have jukeboxes, local mom-and-pop record stores. And so what's happening is that a lot of those one-stop shop owners are you know, they're passing away. And oftentimes, you know, be a family, they had a one-stop shop, and they're like, well, we have like 30,000 pieces, and we don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I thought I'd gone past vinyl, but then my friend Bono gave me a turntable, and he was very thoughtful. He gave me about 12 records that he thought I'd like, and next thing I knew, I, I was using it. I heard this. I heard this. Speaking of vinyl, we've got a turntable here, mm -hmm. and... uh I asked you if you might bring a record. Uh, so what do you got? Thad Jones and Mel Lewis. This is, um, you know, some of the greatest uh, jazz orchestral work that there is. There's a really awesome cover of uh, Get Out My Life Woman, which was uh, a common song back then. So I guess... I want to play the cover of Get Out My Life Woman. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, it's a double album. So uh, jazz, jazz great Joe Williams is uh, singing on this version. So this is this album, and this is for my personal collection. I lived in, uh, in England for a time, and this is like one of the first records I purchased. <laughs> I believe this is 70, yes. Get up, my life, woman. You don't love me no more, no. It's like one of the records from my childhood. Get up, my life, woman. Cool. Yeah. You don't love me no more, no, no. So that's... Uh, Thad Jones and uh, Mel Lewis. Yes. But that's Thad Jones. Yes. And that's Mel you Lewis. Yes. And Joe Williams, uh, a gentleman that's been singing Get up my like with Duke Ellington since I got to see my you know the '40s is uh, yes, yes. is singing on this. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I also have a record for you. This is Sly and the Family Stone's greatest hits. I'll bet you have a lot of copies of this, but this is actually signed by the Jesus artist. Jesus H. Christ, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this, this is what you call prime stunting. Like this is, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, well, right now, um, 
actually, you know, I'm, I'm coming here straight from the set. I'm working on my follow-up to Summer of Soul is the Sly and the Family Stone documentary. Whoa. I watched last night Summer of Soul, which was a blast. Uh, Thank you. I, there's no way I can have a, a real conversation with you right now because I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll have to ask them how many they signed like that. Maybe not that many. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's Wow, that's, that's, that's rare. That's so rare. In your movie, Summer of Soul, it was great when you got those artists to see them at, now that they're a lot older. Yeah, to see them they, watch themselves. They, they were. My producer, Joseph, says that that's the best part of the movie. Like, the, the, the Harry Met Sally interstitial of them watching themselves. And you got to understand that just randomly, these two strangers came to me with 40 hours worth of footage. And they were like, we know you love music, Quest Love here. Take this and direct it. And <laughs> you, the way that human nature is, I think, you know, we're so cynical and we're so distrusting. It was almost like, why are you guys coming to me? Like, does Spike Lee or Ava DuVernay say no? Like, <laughs> am I the last on your list? Like, yeah. is the audio bad? Like, there, there has to be a, a reason why you can't find a director to, director to do this. It took me, like, maybe six or seven months to finally come to grips that, okay, this is your, your new mission. But for me, the one thing I was worried about was I knew that people of age of the uh, Harlem Cultural Festival, anyone over 45 and up would instantly gravitate to it. But how was I going to attract someone younger? And, you know, it, it would have been easy for me to like call up Drake, like Drake's uncle, is uh, Larry Graham. No, you're kidding. The I didn't know that. Inventor of funk, right. <laughs> uh, Drake's name is Aubrey Graham. And if people follow Drake on social media, then you know that Drake's father is just as famous as Drake is. Oh. And um, Drake's father's brother is funk master Larry Graham. So, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the type of grasping for, you know, Charles that I was trying to do. Like, maybe I can get Drake to talk about his uncle or something like that. But what I discovered was that the commonality between millennials and Gen Z with what was happening in the Harlem Cultural Festival, like this 50-year gap, was we were starting to see a parallel movement of like the political uproar and the, and the social uproar and the tension of the time that started the Harlem Cultural Festival which was, you know, the killing of Dr. King and Bobby Kennedy. And, you know, we lost our leaders and what's happening in the Nixon administration coming in and a lot of programs getting cut. And we were going, you know, through the same thing with unarmed killings and protest and, you know, not knowing if there's going to be, if we're going to live or if we're safe. And so kind of that was what bonded the time periods together. And that's... I think it's a way better story than what I thought it was going to be. No, it ended up being phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, it's amazing how much of the music I knew because that's, you know, the music of when I right. I grew up. You know, it's weird. Um, that was probably the main battle between me and some of the producers, the exec producers, because the thing is, is that in my mind, I wanted goosebump performances. I'll give you an example. Stevie Wonder. During Stevie <laughs> Wonder's 40-minute performance, he's doing his mega hits. I mean, he had still had, like, 
Yester me, yester you, yesterday. I was made to love her. My Sharia more. He he had the hits, but it was like the one song in which I got goosebumps watching him perform was also the one song that showed you what Stevie Wonder was about to do in the future. Like we got a glimpse of what 70s to 90s Stevie Wonder was about to do. And, you know, they were like, well, no one knows the song Shooby Doo Dot Day. So <laughs> you, you want to make this a, a seven minute performance and start with a drum solo at the beginning. But for me, it was like, the, but it's an amazing performance. And that's what we have to go with, not the hits. Let's go with the amazing performance. And so I'm, I'm glad that we uh, won that battle. Yeah, a lot of gospels. Yes. It's great stuff. Yeah. Subscribe to Unconfuse Me wherever you listen to podcasts. 